Welcome to Hauser Community Church Online. Let's join Pastor as the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts and unpacks the Word of God for us. After the message, we'll tell you how to contact us. Oh Lord, in Jesus Christ, you gave us everything. You sacrifice, your sacrifice is, is far greater than anything we can imagine, making us more free than we ever deserved. Your grace and mercy is it's overwhelming to us, Lord, when we think about what you have done. But too often we don't think about the price you paid. Too often we don't think about the grace that you gave and the salvation that you secured and that we have. Lord, we ask that you would forgive us for the sin in our lives. We ask that you would put to death by the power of your Holy Spirit, those sins that cling to us so closely. And Lord, we confess our sin with with certainty of forgiveness because of your sacrifice. We confess these sins knowing that the righteous, that the righteousness that we have is not a righteousness of our own. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ applied to us by your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, and we are eternally grateful. Holy Spirit, we ask now that you would speak to us as we turn to your word. We desire for you to change us into the likeness of Jesus. We long for you to fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit so that we can go and do what you've called us to do. We desperately want you to save the lost and strengthen the weak and lead the sheep of your pasture. We need you to move us, Lord, for we are often slow and lazy and hard-hearted and distracted and tired and sick. We need your help. We need you to lift our drooping heads and strengthen our weak knees so that we can go forward with your strength and proclaiming the hope to all that are hurting and sick and the hope of Jesus. Lord, I ask that you would help me to present your word to your glory. I ask that you would guide me by your spirit, Lord, that your people will be fed and refreshed and that you, Jesus, are glorified. In your precious name we pray, amen. All right, kiddos, you are released. Thank you for praying with us. The rest of you, if you're not already there, you can go ahead and turn with me to Acts 13. I forgot to say good morning, church. It's in my notes. I have to say it. Before I became a pastor, I worked on some pretty heavy equipment, heavy machinery. And uh, it might be surprising to you, but I'm not a very big guy. And, And a lot of stuff that I worked with was really heavy. It was incredibly heavy stuff. Uh, But I was young, and I was tough, I thought, and I wasn't going to let anybody know that I was weak or that I uh, couldn't couldn't lift this or couldn't uh, struggle with that, so I would just wrestle with these heavy parts. I would wrestle them around the shop, 
And then one day I'm working with a gentleman. He'd been working in the shop with me. He's been working in that shop for over 30 years. And he saw me wrestling this heavy part around and he just kind of chuckled. And he walked over to me and got the crane that was above my head, hooked up the heavy part and just pushed the button, moved the part and set it to where it was supposed to go and, and just kind of shook his head and walked off. And, and it, he didn't break a sweat. He didn't break his back. He just, he just used what was there. He used the, the power that was there to move something that was really difficult to move. And, and of course, I felt silly, and I, and I learned a very valuable lesson that it's okay to use a crane to lift something heavy. Um, and I was working my tail off because I was not using what was available to help me. I was working extra hard, actually blew my back out um, because I was not using what was available to help me. A lot of times in our Christian lives and in our ministries, we attempt to live the Christian life and do all the things that we're called to do. We read all of these things in Scripture and we think, man, that's impossible, but it says to do it and I'm just going to bear down and I'm going to do it. And we try to do it on our own. We attempt to kill sin on our own. We attempt to change the hearts of people on our own. We attempt to change uh, and build God's kingdom on our own. And then we end up getting bogged down. We end up uh, quitting because the task is just impossible apart from God's spirit doing the work in and through us. And I believe this is one of the greatest shortcomings of the church, uh, that we try to do things apart from the power of the Holy Spirit given to us. Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit to enable us to participate in building his kingdom. And it's only because of his spirit that we are able to live the life he calls us to live. And that's what we see in this passage, and that's what we have been seeing from the very beginning of the book of Acts, uh, that the early church is built on the power of the Holy Spirit, not because these people had a really good plan, not because they had it all together, they had the best speakers. It was because Jesus says, you wait until the power of the Holy Spirit comes, and I will give you strength, I will give you power to spread the kingdom to the ends of the earth. And we'll see today that the Spirit, he calls us, he sends us, he equips us, he exposes sin, he saves people. But we don't get a free ride either. We have to participate. So we're going to see first that the Spirit calls, but we must be listening the situation, well, look at the text with me first. Just Acts 13, if you're not there, uh, get there. I want you looking at the word. If you don't have a Bible, like I say every week, there's one around you, grab it. Uh, if you don't have one at all, it's yours. It's our gift to you. Acts 13, starting in verse 1. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucas of Cyrene, Manian, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and they sent them off. 
The situation in Antioch, and this is just picking up from the passage in, in Acts 11 that Darren preached a couple of weeks ago. It's picking that story back up. We had kind of a lull in the middle uh, talking about the, the death of James and the imprisonment of Peter and the miraculous deliverance. And then he's returning back to the story in Antioch. But the situation in Antioch, it's clear evidence that the Holy Spirit is working in this miraculous, in this mighty way in the church. Just notice the group of leaders. I know a lot of times when we get to lists in the Bible or names in the Bible, we just scan real quick. But if, we, if we're looking at these people, this is who we have. We have Barnabas. He was a Jew from the tribe of Levi, lived in Cyprus. We have Simon, who's called Niger, which is a Latin word meaning dark or black, which is indicating that he's probably from Africa, like the Ethiopian eunuch that we saw early on in Acts. We have Lucas of Cyrene. He's also from North Africa. We have Mannion, who's a friend of Herod, a lifelong friend of Herod, uh, usually not best buds with Christians. We saw last week Herod, uh, the the nephew of this Herod, was kill, he killed James and imprisoned Peter. And this, this Herod that Mannion was friends with, he was an upstanding citizen who beheaded John the Baptist and oversaw Jesus' trial. So um, you wouldn't think Mannion would be here as a leader in the church, but he is. We have Saul of Tarsus, who uh, we know better as Paul. Saul is his Jewish name. Paul is his Greek name. But he was a Christian killer turned apostle. So we have this eclectic group of prophets and teachers in the church of Antioch. Uh, the church staff at Antioch is this wide range of people that we would have never put together if the Holy Spirit wasn't working in a mighty way. And we know in Acts 11 that, that at this time the prophets were, they were still operating in part of the church we saw in, in Acts eleven twenty seven. now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a, a great famine over all the world, and this took place in the days of Claudius. So we know that the, the prophets were operating at that time, and, uh, but the important thing that we're seeing here at the first sentence or the first verse in Acts 13 is that these leaders, they were gathered together and they were seeking the will of God. Look at verse two. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, they were, they were focused on the kingdom. They were worshiping for all the great work God has already been doing in Antioch. We saw that. He's been making disciples and groups of people were coming to know the Lord. And they're worshiping what he has already done. And they're fasting, desiring to see, God, what is it that you would have us do now? How would you have us advance your kingdom on earth as it is in, in heaven? One commentator writes that fasting is always a mark of deep spiritual concern, indicating that a person is willing to set aside the normal demands of life in order to concentrate for a period of time in what God wants. It's, it's taking the desire to eat or the desire to do something else and setting that aside for a moment so that I can spend time in those moments in prayer and seeking God's will. And in this seeking, the early church, 
They received the calling of the Holy Spirit. While they were worshiping, verse 2, the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit says, set up. The Spirit tells them as church leaders in Antioch, I need you to set apart Barnabas and Saul. Send them out. I've already called them. We saw this in Acts 19 or 9.15. The Lord said to Paul, go, or excuse me, that's not Paul. He's talking to to there. Uh, Go for, Paul is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. So he's already received this call. And then the Spirit just leads the leadership to say, now send them out. Send them to do what they are called to do. I've already told them what to do. You see, church, the mission of the church is not about building one strong congregation. It is not about building one big church. It's about building the universal church, the one that goes from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and all the way to the ends of the earth. That is our goal. That is our aim. So these men, they're seeking the Lord's will, and his answer to them is, send them out and keep building my kingdom. Don't settle. In this passage, we see the Spirit speaks through the leader's of the church. And for those of us in here who are leaders in any capacity, that should be a flag for us. We are responsible for spending time in worship. We are responsible for spending time in prayer and fasting to ensure that we are being led by the Spirit. Not our, our desires, not our wants, not what we want to see happen, but what does God want to happen? Because we're not just leading a group of people, we're leading the sheep of Jesus Christ. We're leading those whom he gave his life for. And not only are we leading people, but we should be seeking to advance the gospel in areas and ways that it has never been done before. With a heart broken for the lost, with a heart burdened for the lost, that we could reach them. However and whatever that looks like, Lord, show us what it looks like. We build churches not to just go in for worship, but so that we go out with the heart of God for people. And this also goes for family leaders, not just church leaders, but leaders in families. You should be on your knees before the Father. How would you have me lead my family? What is your perfect will for my family? If you are a leader in a family, if, if you are a parent, uh, if you are a grandparent, uh, whatever, however you're leading, you are called to be before the Lord in prayer. This also goes for workplace leaders. You're called to reflect Jesus Christ as a boss. You should be seeking the Lord earnestly. How do I reflect you, Jesus to those around me. And even if you're not in a leadership role, even if you don't think you're in a leadership role, you are called a kingdom of priests, a royal priesthood. With the rest of the church, you are advancing the gospel and you should be seeking the voice of the Spirit. What does that look like? What would you have me do, Lord? But you're only gonna hear the Spirit if you are listening to him. You can't say, I don't know what the Lord is saying, or I I don't know what's going on if you are not dedicating time to worship and prayer and fasting. 
You're not going to hear him if you're not regularly gathering with the saints. Or if your um, advice is only coming from polling Facebook or Googling something and not asking for godly counsel. You're not going to hear the word or the spirit with your Bible closed. This is how God chose to speak to his people. If you want to hear the spirit, pray before you're reading. Pray before you read the Bible. Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would guide my understanding, that you would teach me that you, your word, I believe, is a supernatural word, and I need your help to understand what you have spoken. Give me ears to hear. Spend time in silence. I think it's hard for some of us to just not talk. (laughs) You all do a wonderful job during the service. Thank you. But listening for the spirit to, and sometimes we just, our mind is a million miles an hour. Sit and wait. Practice silence. Practice spiritual disciplines like meditating on the word or, or reading the word and journaling or fasting and figuring out what do are, what are these things look like and how do I do them? Church, the spirit is speaking. He promises to guide us. He promises to teach us. But we have to be listening. Because when we listen, we will hear. And the Spirit calls, but we have to listen. And when he calls, he will send us, and we need to go. Look at verses 4 through 7. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit... They went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They had John to assist them. But when they had gone through the whole land as far as Pathos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul, and sought to hear the word of God. All of the praying, all of the worshiping, all of the fasting would have not mattered if Paul and Barnabas left that church service and said, man, that was really good stuff. I can't wait to go back next week and did nothing else. It would not have mattered at all if they would have just had that experience and then said, Man, I'm just going to go back next week and have the same experience, but I'm not going to apply anything. To not go for them would have been disobedient to the Lord. It would have been to know what God is calling them to do, what he desired for them, what he put before them, and then turning the opposite direction. The writer of Hebrews, he calls out, to the, those he's writing to, and he says, as it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as they did in the rebellion. And he's talking about at the promised land when they're there, and he tells them, go, take the land, and they say, yeah, I don't think so. And then 40 years later, they're all dead. We don't want to die wandering around in the desert, in the, in the cycle of worship and never applying what we're told. 
I think we need to ask ourselves, how often do I hear the Spirit speaking to my heart on a Sunday morning, and then I leave here, and I stop thinking about it immediately? I often think how many opportunities I've missed to apply, or even how many opportunities I've missed to share the love of Jesus Christ with those around me. He's called me, go and talk to them, and I've just said, I can't. I'm too afraid. I'm too tired. I want lunch instead. May we repent and live for the kingdom starting today. This is what we should leave here wanting to live for the kingdom. Are you willing to go wherever the Spirit is sending you? To talk to whoever the Spirit is putting before you saying, just talk to them. Just pray with them. Just tell them of my love. To minister where God says, this is a need we have. If not, we need to ask ourselves, why am I not doing that? And then say, Lord, help me. Give me strength. You promise in Acts 1.8, which is we go back. I try to put this in every sermon. So by the time we are at the end of Acts, you'll remember Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witness in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He says, I am helping you do this. And you can, in your prayer, say, Lord, you promised this. Would you help me? I am a coward. Would you change my heart just to say something, just to be obedient? I need you to change me. We don't need to be ashamed that we don't want to go. We need to ask for help. Barnabas and Paul, their confidence, it comes from knowing the one who's going with them. They know we're going to Cyprus, and even though Barnabas is from there, we know that the Lord is going with us. That's the confidence that we have. It wasn't in their abilities. It, it was in the resurrected Christ who promised to give us his spirit to accomplish the work that he has set before us. And some of you have no confidence in the spirit because you have stopped seeking the Lord. And I encourage you to spend time confessing that sin. Confess sin. Lord, I have quenched your spirit over and over. I have heard you say, go, and I've said, no, thank you. I'm too scared. I'm too busy. I'm too whatever your excuse has been. Just spend time saying, Lord, forgive me for that. And change me. Strengthen me. Send me. Make me more sensitive to your leading. Give me the faith to step out and have that conversation that you've been nudging me for 15 years to have. Help me step out in faith and tell someone about Jesus or share a verse with them. To live out my faith in front of my family, in front of my coworkers, in front of my friends. Where is the Spirit of God calling you to go this morning? What is he saying? Is he calling you to the pastorate? Is he calling you to the mission field? Is he calling you to lead in your home? Is he calling you to lead at work or at school or be a witness or telling you to go across the street and have a, a meal with someone? I want to encourage you this morning to go. Come talk to me. Let's determine. How does that, what does this look like? Let's figure it out together. Let's find resources. Let's pray about it. Let's cover. Wow, that's a novel idea. We could just start in prayer. 
and hear the word of the Lord this morning, church. As it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as they did in the rebellion. And go knowing that the Spirit equips, but you have to trust him. He is going to help you. He, you are equipped by the leaders of the church. We read in Ephesians 4, uh, the Lord Jesus, he gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers for the purpose of to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. My job, the job of the elders of this church is to equip you for the work of the ministry. But as we work to equip you, you also have to be open to being equipped. How many of you gone to the doctor and you, the doctor has given you instructions about healthy living? This is how you live. This is, if you'll just do these things, it's pretty easy. Just stop eating all of those potato chips. Cut it in half. If you'll just, if you'll just do this, you'll have a healthier life and you fail to apply that. Oh, don't raise your hands. But I have. Um, I don't want to admit that out loud, but I have. And your next visit, you know. I'm, man, I got an answer to my doctor about all the garbage I've been doing. Because I didn't apply what they said to apply. Neither the elders, we can't change your hearts. We can't change your minds. We can't make you do anything. We can equip you. We can, we can train you. But you have to open yourself up to be led by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, equipped uh, so that he can use broken vessels like me to help you in the ministry. And if you're not plugged in, come see me after church. I, I want to get you in some form of discipleship, some form of let's move forward. If you don't want to come up here, there's cards all over the place. Write it, drop it in the box on your way out. Pastor Bill or myself, we'll talk to you. We'll get in contact with you. But trust that the Lord who called you from the grave is going to equip you to use you. He gives you his spirit to equip you. We're also equipped by the word. As you read, the spirit is speaking to your spirit. He's equipping you for life's battles. He's equipping you for life's struggles and trials and, and teaching others and discipling. The word, even if you feel like, I am really not understanding what's going on here, it's a feeding your soul and equipping you for ministry. It's like exercising. You start off and you start exercising and it just hurts and nothing seems to be changing. All I know is I wake up and I'm sore in the morning. That's still the I think I actually gained weight. I don't know what happened. But if you keep sticking with it, you start to change, you start to get stronger, you start to get healthier. You can even help people say, hey, don't lift like that. I did that, uh, threw my back out for six weeks. Try this. And you can help people grow. That's the same with the word. It is strengthening you so that you can strengthen others and tell them of Jesus Christ. And not only are we equipped by the word, we're equipped with the word. So you don't have to go out and have really good ideas. You don't have to be uh, on top of your game. You're not sharing your desires or your opinions. You're not pitching some political campaign or you're, making, you're not making promises that you can't fulfill. You're just speaking the word of God and he's the one that fulfills it. 
We're proclaiming his promises. We're sharing what the Lord Jesus Christ commanded us to share. And he says, I'm the one that is going to fulfill it. And we're speaking that which the Spirit speaks from his word to our hearts, to the ears of those he puts before us. We're speaking the word that does not return void. It accomplishes exactly what God sets forth. Church, you are equipped with the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Equipped like no other generation, no other generation in all of church history. We have it everywhere. We have it on our phones. We have it on podcasts and we can listen to it and we can talk it and we can, we can Google about it. And I don't think Google about it is how you would say that, but it's okay. We have it so accessible and we squander that. We're equipped with the word, but you have to trust. You have to trust that the leaders are called to serve you and lead you. You have to trust that the word of God is the word of of God, and you have to trust the Spirit to change those He's sending you out to speak with. And as you go, the Spirit exposes, and we have to be bold. Verse 6 And they had gone through the whole land of Pathos. They came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar Jesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elamus, the magician, for that's the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and he said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, Full of deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. The Holy Spirit exposes false prophecy Paul and Barnabas, they run into this man named Bar-Jesus, which means son of Jesus. And they don't mean Jesus, the one crucified, not Jesus Christ. Jesus was a fairly common name back then. But it's still pretty ironic that the son of Jesus uh, is called the son of the devil uh, pretty soon. This man, he's a Jewish magician, which is kind of an oxymoron that Judaism didn't allow for magic. Um, he's a part of the proconsul's court, so he's financially benefiting from the, the Rome, which is oppressing the Jewish people, and he's a false prophet, another upstanding citizen in the saga of Acts. And finally, the word uh, used by Paul to rebuke him, uh, you were full of deceit and villainy, which is actually translated unscrupulous, uh, which is someone who wishes to gain their own um, profit through trickery or deceit. Uh, we also know them as con artists. So he is called uh, unmoral. You are a con artist. 
But Jesus promises at his departure that this is going to happen, that the Spirit is going to uncover darkness. And when the Spirit comes, John 16, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you see me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And the ministry of Bar-Jesus and many other false prophets is is dangerous to the church because it seeks to turn people away from the one true God. If you look at verse 8, turn at the Elamus, the magician, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. His whole goal was to turn him away from Jesus, the true Jesus. Sometimes this is very obvious in false religions. Sometimes it looks a lot like Christianity, but if you just pull the cover back just a little bit, you realize that that's not true Christianity. The ministry of false prophets is the, is the enemy of righteousness, making crooked what God has set straight. False teachers, they seek to lead people to false righteousness, we see. Teaching that one can work hard enough. If you just do these things, you can work hard enough. Or if you just do this or say this or or pray to this, then you will do better. They proclaim false righteousness. But we know that no one is righteous apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. And as the Spirit reveals this false prophet, he fills Paul and Barnabas to boldly speak against this corrosive and dangerous ministry. He calls, Paul calls out Bar-Jesus, his ministry. He says, I'm not going to allow you to turn people away from the one true gospel. But I want you to notice what he does. He doesn't just burn him and say, later, I out-argued you. His heart is for this false prophet to repent. He says, you are going to be blind for a time. You won't be able to see the sun for a time. And the hope is he's causing physical darkness to help him see his spiritual darkness. This, perhaps, I've got to think, Paul is thinking of his own experience on the road to Damascus. He, too, was blinded. He, too, did not see the true gospel until he sat in darkness. And that's his heart for this bar Jesus. He wants him to be blind physically so that he will be awakened spiritually. And that should be our desire. Not that they perish in sin, not that they go to hell, but that the message ceases and the person sees the true gospel, that they repent and turn to Jesus. We don't want to win an argument. We want to win souls to salvation, to set the, the, the captive free. Because we believe that the, the Spirit miraculously saves, and we get to participate in that. Look at verse 12. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, and he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Out of all of Cyprus in this passage, we get one conversion story. 
And we see how the Holy Spirit, he's faithful to pursue and convert the lost. He goes after the heart of the proconsul. I believe he goes after the heart of this Jewish magician, false prophet, uh, con artist. But Paul and Barnabas, they have to proclaim the word. They have to go out and proclaim the word. They have to, they have to say, this is not the gospel. Don't follow this false gospel, but here's the true gospel. And the Lord saves far above what I'm assuming they were expecting to walk into Cyprus and for the proconsul to be saved. The Spirit leads the proconsul to inquire, to, to call for them, to, that they would come and explain the gospel. He was an intelligent man. He had heard what they were doing all over Cyprus, and he, the Spirit ignites his heart to call them to him and say, explain this to me. The focus of their trip and the focus of their life was to proclaim the kingdom of God, and the Spirit attracted people to what they were doing. So the question is, are you living faithfully before the Lord? Have you been called in some capacity to be, or you have been, I'm not asking you, I'm telling you, you have been called in some capacity to be a witness of the good news of Jesus Christ. So are you living before others in such a way that would cause them to say, tell me about why you're so weird? (laughs) Do you speak in such a way that people hear the gospel seasoned in your conversation? Even if you're not telling them that Jesus died for their sin, and is it just how you speak reflective of God and his character? Are you willing to allow the Spirit to lead you to those he is saving so you can stand before them as a witness and tell them the good news? Are you earnestly praying the Holy Spirit would cause the lost to ask about Jesus Christ? The Spirit of God is saving people. And we, as the church, we get to participate. This is something we get to do in a million different ways. In this service, all of you get to go out and do that in however many people are in here, that many different ways. All notes being played in the orchestra of the kingdom of God, calling his people to him. Church, do you know that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? That you're gifted by the Spirit? That you're empowered by the Spirit? That you're equipped by the Spirit? That he is working in you and he's working through you to bring many sons and daughters to glory. But you must not quench the Spirit. You have to listen and go. You have to go when he sins. You have to obey when he calls. You have to trust as he leads. You have to be bold in his power, not yours, and participate in his mission. You are called, you are chosen, and you are sent. You are, you are kingdom of priests, not because you are great, but because the God in you is great. So may we stop cowering like this battle we're in, we're just the last one, we're the lone survivor. May we go forward in confidence of the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Let's pray.
Oh Lord, we praise you for the work that you have done in Jesus Christ. We thank you that on the cross you said it is finished. And that you say, I am sending you another helper. And I'm going to empower you to do my work. The work I've already paid for. I pray for my brothers and sisters in here that for all of us, Lord, that we would understand, that we would believe, that you would increase our faith, that we are a temple of the Holy Spirit called to do your work, to fulfill your will, but not by our power, Lord, by yours. Thank you that you do not leave us alone. Thank you that you are with us. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us at Hauser Community Church Online. Check back next week for the next unpacking of the Word of God. Please feel free to contact us with any questions you might have about the message or for pastor at area code 541-756-2591 or email us at pray at hauserchurch.org. Again, that's P-R-A-Y at H-A-U-S-E-R-C-H-U-R-C-H dot O-R-G. Our address is 69411 Wildwood Road, North Bend, Oregon, 97459. Remember, if you're seeking the truth, it will set you free. And that truth is Jesus Christ.